0: You know a veteran or you know someone who's serving in our country, take a moment. Say thank you because they're willing to go in harm's way for us so we can be here this morning and worship God because of their sacrifice, because of the lives that are laid down. We can come here this morning. A lot of people in the world don't have the privilege that we have here this morning. If they tried to show up like this, they'd be, have taken their lives in their hands. So we're thankful to be Americans. We're thankful for all the sacrifices that our, that our armed forces have, have done or given up for us. My dad was a vet. And probably everyone here, his father probably served in a war somewhere. Whether it's Second World War, Korean War, Vietnam, the war that, no, that gained no respect. All those people are... The, sacrificed and gave gave their lives, so we can be here this morning. Now, in April 1863, in Columbus, Mississippi, after an elderly lady was decorating the graves of two of her sons in the Civil War, who died in the Civil War. And after she got through decorating these two graves, she went over and as she started leaving the cemetery, she decorated two other mounds, two other graves that were in the cemetery. And one of the, the other ladies that was there with her says, What are you doing? Those, so those guys there, they're from the north. They're probably the ones that, that help kill your kids. And she says, Yeah, I know. I know that. But I also know that somewhere in the north, there's a wife and there's a mother who mourns the loss of these two soldiers, just like we mourn the loss of ours. And because of that, that happened in that cemetery in 1863, that evolved into what we now call Memorial Day. And that's kind of interesting that it started a long, long time ago. So we honor the veterans this morning. And Memorial Day is set aside that we take a day to to remember all the sacrifices that people have made for us to be able to live in this country. And we honor them with uh, ceremonies all across the country. They do all kinds of things. They honor the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and all these things. Pay attention to some of those. Maybe watch a couple minutes of it. I know we're busy, but take a couple minutes out and just to reflect. Don't be so busy that we're not thankful. Because when we're not thankful for something, that's when the enemy can come in and take away everything that we're not thankful for. And there's nothing I hate more than an ungrateful kid. Isn't it You? Man, I hate my kids when they're not grateful. When somebody gives them something and they just act like it's, they're obligated to have it, and it's your privilege to give it to them. You know? <laughs> That's the society we live in. So let's be a little grateful. Let's take a couple minutes to be able to reflect and remember the sacrifices that were paid for us. But memorials, they weren't man's idea. In case you didn't know, I was going to get there. <laughs> Memorials are God was God's ideas. And I'm going to be in Joshua the 4th chapter if you want to, you know, turn there. Memorials are something that God initiated. He's the one that started it. Because he knew how important memorials would become. And we, he wants us to be able to have memorials. And so he started it. And it was before, long before 1863. Long before that. The time of Joshua, I don't know what, what A.D. or pre, AB, B.C. it was. I don't have it out off the top of my head. If I had my chart here, I'd be able to tell you, but I don't. <laughs> so it was a long time before that. So God's the one that started memorials. And now this is the, uh, where this is actually where uh, Joshua is leading the children of Israel, and they're getting ready to uh, go into the, to the promised land. And uh, this is what God commanded him to do. But you might wonder, what's the big deal about memorials? Why have them? Well, in Deuteronomy 6, the 12th chapter, it says, excuse me, the 12th verse, Beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God, among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth." We need memorials because we have short memories, don't we? We forget things If you know, that's, that's good, all right, back here, but what have you done for me lately? That's our, that's our motto. That's good, but what have you done for me lately? Now I know forgetfulness is something we all deal with. I know that as I've gotten a little older, I deal with a little more, so I have to start writing down the things that I want to remember. And instead of spending all the time trying to remember what I'm supposed to be remembering, now I try to spend my time looking for the paper I wrote down what I'm supposed to remember. <laughs> so I don't know which is worse. But I'm at that age, and I, if you're not there, believe me, it's coming. It's coming. Hopefully I won't forget anything important that God wants me to remember because he'll quicken it back in my heart, and he won't let me forget hopefully where I'm at in these notes, and we'll start over again. <laughs> so, but anyway... We need to remember remember memorials, and we have to have them because otherwise we'll forget. And we need to have memorials in our life. When we have problems in our life, what do we do? We have a need in our life, what do we do? We call out to God and say, oh, God, help me. I have this need. Oh, God, I need this problem fixed. Oh, God, I need, I need, I need, I need. I'm in danger, God, help me, protect me. Then God does, and then what do we do? We forget about it. Whenever, yeah, when everything's going fine, hey, we forget about God. Okay, God would be done for me lately. That's our attitude. But see, that's why memorials are so important to us. Because we, when we have God that comes to us, brings us through something that's traumatic in our life, or he meets a need in our life, we need to mark it. We needed to put something there to remind us of those times. I know we have the song, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. Why do we, have, why do, we do that? Because if we count the things God's already done for us, it builds up our faith. So if I have enough faith to meet that need last year or last week or last month or maybe today or yesterday, and he's met it, now I have faith that I know he's going to meet the need tomorrow or today. So those memorials or those things in our life are very important for us to mark. And that's why memorials are so important, so we won't forget an important event. Now, I know we pass memorials all the time. We don't know what they are, what the memorial particularly is for. But we know it's a memorial, don't we? We know what it is, and sometimes we'll even stop and read it, but God delivers us from our past, doesn't he? That's a memorial, he's delivered me from my past. I'm not stuck in the past. And he gives me the gift of the present. And he gives me another gift of the future that I can look forward to. Those are memorials, I have past, present, and future. What else do we need? We need to have memorials to remind us of what God has delivered us from. Because I, if without God, I wouldn't be on my way to heaven. I wouldn't be looking forward to heaven. I wouldn't be looking forward to, to him coming and taking us home. Not me. I wouldn't be looking forward to it. But now, because he's taken care of my past, and I'm living in the present, and he has a future for me. So memorials are very important. So we need to, uh, we need to put them in our lives, and we need to mark them with something. And we never, never, never forget what God's done for us. We need to count our blessings regularly. Joshua chapter 4, the 6th verse. We will use these stones to build a memorial in the future. Your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Uh, Verse 21. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future your children will ask you, What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed over the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were crossed, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. Memorial stones are important because they give us a benchmark or something that we can use to share our faith with our children. We need to have memorials in our life so we can share it with our kids. It's important. And if we don't have any memorial things, if we don't have anything in our life, then how are we going to build up our faith? How's how's our kids going to come? What's the meaning of this? What does this mean? What's this here for? Why do you have this here? Doesn't make any sense So we have to set them up Because then it's a testimony for To our future generations And then as the kids come And they see these memorials That we've set up Like the children of Israel did And the kids grow up And they say What in the world Are these stones here for dad? And they say "Well, man I remember the day That he dried up the Red Sea And we crossed over on dry land And he rescued us And he gave us this promised land And he can just talk about All the good things That God has done for us And it gives you an avenue Of a way to talk about God Doesn't it? gives you a way to testify to people when they say, what does this mean? What do you have this stupid thing in your house for? What's this for? What do you use this for? So we need to have memorial stones so they can be a testimony to our families and to our friends and people that come in because it gives us an opportunity. And then when they grow up, they'll remember the things that happened. Oh, man, we, over at my dad's house or my grandma's house or, or whatever it is, they had this thing over there. And every time that they remember that, they'll, they'll remember that testimony that'll, that'll be caused up to the remembrance And forever and ever and ever, these stones were supposed to be there to remind the children of Israel that God took care of them. And we need to remember that we have to have memorial stones to remind us that God will take care of us. If he needs to dry up the Jordan, he'll do it. No matter what he needs to do, he'll do it. But then we have to commemorate that in some way. That's why we have holidays, to commemorate a certain thing that has happened in our history. The 4th of July, Memorial Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all these things are memorials that we have set up and set aside for a certain purpose. And as Christians, every one of these should be an opportunity for us to witness and to testify of God's grace and mercy to us because we need them. We don't want to forget We need memorials. Let's see uh, verse 24. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. We need to have memorials so people will understand how powerful God is. We live in a society that the God that they, they worship, they're just little teeny things that they hope things work out right. They have to cut themselves for their gods, or they have to do all these other kind of things for their gods. But our God is powerful, and we need to realize that, and we need to understand that there isn't anything that God can't do. He can heal. He can move mountains. He can do all kinds of things. He's powerful, and he's the only God that can. Buddha's dead. Muhammad's dead. And they're in their graves, but Jesus' grave is empty. We serve a God that's alive and He's powerful. And we need to announce that to the world. And we need these memorials and we need to utilize this time so we can show people and tell people how powerful our God is. What are you worried about? My God's powerful. He can take care of that situation. I don't have to worry about that. And then we have to understand that for ourselves. Because sometimes we go through things in our life and we forget how powerful our God is, don't we? And we walk around and we mope around and wonder, God, what are you going to do? What are you doing to me? I'm tired of this stuff. Every time I turn around, something's happening. Why don't you give me a break? Well, we need to build up our faith say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I know, Lord, that you delivered me here. You did this in my life. So I know that whatever's happening now, I don't like it, but I know that you're a powerful God and you're going to work it out. And I don't have to worry about it. And that builds up my faith. And then it gives me an opportunity to talk about the memorial stones I have in my life. I can tell people and they come up to you and say, you know, I know you lost your job. I feel so bad for you. But then you can say like Val, well, I know God has something better in store for me. He gave me this job. I know he can give me another job. I don't have to worry about it. We don't have to run around and rub our hands and go, oh, God, oh, God, what am I going to do? 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 And just sit and worry, worry, worry because we don't have to do that because we serve a powerful God. There isn't anything our God can't do. And it's an opportunity for us to testify of his grace and mercy in his life. And all the times that he's come through for us, and he comes through for us every day, just allowing us to breathe air. That's a blessing from God. They call it the present because that's what it is. It's a present from God to us. We're not guaranteed anything else. The only way we're guaranteed is that if we die today or if he comes, we get to go to heaven. Praise the Lord, and that's not a bad thing. I'm looking forward to that time, but I'm not in a hurry to get there. So you'll make sure we understand that. I'm not in a hurry to get there. Like I said, I can't go home till my work's done. And you can't go home till your work's done. So you better get busy. I don't want to be unemployed and go to heaven and say, again, Jesus says, hey, what are you doing here? You didn't get your work done. Let me see. "Ah, No, sorry. (laughs) I don't want to be there for that one. I want to be able to see when God comes or calls me home, I want to be found occupying. I want to be found working and doing his will for my life. I want to be able to to be talking about the memorial stones in my life so I can use it as a testimony for other people to be able to see. Matthew 5, verse 14. Now, I'm reading most of these in the New Living Translation, so if if it sounds different, that's why. I just like it for reading because it sounds a little better sometimes. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Everyone will praise your heavenly Father. The things that we do, our good works that we do, are memorials to the people around us because they're not required. Good works isn't, isn't required for me to make it to heaven. It isn't a part of my salvation. What good works are used for us memorial stones to the world that's lost so we can have those for an opportunity. And people say, man, you know, that person really, really does a lot of things. I wonder what's different about them. I wonder why they can do that and no one else can. Why do they have time to do that kind of stuff? But I don't have any time. Memorial stones, that's what we need in our life. And you can't hide a city that's on a hill. Have you ever been to the city at night and you see them? Man, all those lights twinkling all over the place. You can't hide that city. You can't hide it at all. And the only way you hide a city in in the darkness is turn off all the lights. Well, guess what? God don't want our lights turned off. If we pay the power bill, we won't get our lights turned off. (laughs) And that power bill, we gain power by on our knees, by calling out to God. That's where our power comes from. And we're supposed to let our light shine because we're on a hill. And when you're a Christian, people put you up on a hill, and they're just waiting for you to mess up. But while you're up on that hill and you let your light shine and you don't try to hide it, then it becomes a memorial to the neighbors. They have a request. They may make fun of you. I don't care, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But the minute their grandkid gets sick or their child gets sick, guess who they're calling? I'm going to call them because they know God. (laughs) A memorial stone. We have a memorial stone. And then we can utilize that opportunity to share share with them our testimony of what God's done for us. So we need to shine shine our lights. I remember when when John Glenn went around, the first man in space, when orbited the earth. Maybe some of you are too young for this. That's okay. But when he did, he was the first man in space, and they had everybody in the United States turn on their lights so he could see it from space. And it was just an awesome picture for him to be able to see that from from space. Because you could see lights a long way. That's a long way up there in space. But he could see those lights of the city. And that's what God wants for our lives. He wants our lights to shine. And he doesn't want us to keep them under a bushel or under a bed. Because, you know, back then they had these uh, lamps, and they had fire on them, and they, they burned. So if you stick them under your bed, your bed's going up in smoke. <laughs> and so that's what God's saying. Hey, don't hide it. Put it up on the hill. Let it be there. Stand in the gap. Be there. Be a memorial stone. Let your life be one. Philippians 2, 15. So that, you, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives. As children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people, holding firmly to the word of life, then one day of Christ's returns, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. I don't want my work to be useless. I want to be able to shine for Christ, and I want it when he comes to say, "Here, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter until the place that I prepared for you. I'm looking forward to hearing those words. So I'm gonna let my light shine. And if it gets in some people's eyes, that's too bad. Because if you look in the sunshine, guess what happens? You gotta they gotta start squinting. That's why they don't like us. Because they get the light and it shines on us and it makes it hurts their eyes. They don't like that. So just in case you're wondering why people don't like you when they first meet you, but when they've already got your mind made up about you, it's because they're squinting. (laughs) Let the light shine. Memorials are enduring. Uh, Joshua 4, verse 7. Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. The memorial was a declaration of God's power and deliverance. And they picked up 12 stones, one for every tribe of Israel. He didn't leave anybody out. Deliverance was for all of Israel. Every single person. Deliverance was for them. Of course, they had to cross the Jordan to get there. They wanted deliverance. They had to get in the, where the water used to be. And God's deliverance for us today is for every one of us. It isn't selective. It isn't just to the ones that are the tribe of Trinity Church. It isn't to the ones that are the tribe of the First Baptist Church or whatever other church. Deliverance is for everybody because it's not about the church itself. It's about the body of believers. And we are the body of believers. And deliverance is for everyone that will come. But you have to get in the river. You have to make a decision. And then it becomes a memorial stone. Because, see, I can remember the place that I was when I accepted Christ as my Savior. I remember the day. I remember everything about that time. And I remember the change that took part in my life. I remember all those kind of things. And that's a memorial stone. So when I think about how long I've been a Christian, which has been over 20 years, then I can say, oh, I remember the day, just like it was yesterday. It's a memorial in my life. And I can remember, and I can look back and remember the joy and everything that flooded my heart. It's a memorial stone that I have in my life. Memorials, let's see where I'm at. Uh, Proverbs 22:28. 28. Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set, America is now trying to move all the Christian landmarks we have in our country, aren't they? In 1962, they removed prayer. In 1963, they removed our Bible reading from our schools. And in 1980, it's illegal to put the Ten Commandments in our schools. And what's been the result of those things? Well, we know what's been the result. Crime up through the roof, all these other kind of things. So we know... But they want to remove all the landmarks of our forefathers. They want to remove all traces of Christianity from our heritage. And you can't have a heritage without Christianity. And now they want to remove them from our holidays and from everything else that in our nation that's Christian. Because they're trying to move our, our forefathers' landmarks. And we can't let them. We need to stand up and start doing something about it. We need to start writing your congressman. If you're not doing that, get their address and write them. I don't care. I do mine all the time. I don't care whether they read it or not, but I always get a reply. I don't like it. They may not like what I have to say, but at least somebody will, somebody will read it. Somebody will read it. And if, if it's good enough, then maybe it'll be gone up a little chain. So pray over it before you hit the send. God, let this get to their heart and hit send. <laughs> but we have that obligation, and if you're not doing those kind of things, then you need to start. And if you're not praying for this nation, you need to start. We need to pray for this nation because we're going, we're on uphill and we're falling backwards. So we need to do that. Hebrews 12:1 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily t- trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We have a lot of people in this Bible that are witnesses that we can read this word and we find out their testimonies that they had. and we can re- review their lives and their faithfulness and how God bailed them out or, or the testimony of their lives. They're, we have a great a lot of witnesses now that are, they're standing in heaven. and they're witnesses to what we're doing. And they were found faithful and they left that heritage to us. They left it to us to be able to, to say, man, man, if they could do it, I can do it. Last week we talked about Paul and how great, great a man he was, but he also struggled with the same things we struggled with. The things he didn't want to do, he did. The things he wanted to do, he didn't do. That's the struggle, the struggle that we have. So if he struggled with that, now he's a witness because he was a faithful witness to God, and now he's standing in heaven, and we can say, hey, man, if Paul can do it, I can do it. If John can do it, I can do it. If Isaiah can do it, I can do it. If Moses can do it, I can do it. Because that same God that that they worshiped and served is the same God we serve. And since God doesn't change, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then whatever he's done in the past, he'll do in the present. And he'll do it in the future. So we need to be able to understand and leave a testimony as our heritage. I want to leave a legacy to my kids. I want to leave a legacy to the people that knew me. I want to be able to leave a testimony, and I want it to be a good one. You, all of us are going to leave a testimony of some kind. The problem is, is it going to be a good one? Is it one you're going to be proud of when you stand before God? Or is it one you're going to be, you'll be ashamed of? I had to laugh this last, I guess it was Friday. My, my son called me. And he said that he was talking to his son, who's a teenager. And all of you have teenagers in this day and age know what a handful that is. But we survived. I have a testimony. I survived my four teenagers at one time. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's a memorial, let me tell you. <laughs> anyway, I was talking to him, and he said, I want you to talk to my son because he doesn't believe some of the things I used to do. <laughs> and he said, I'm not going to give you any more about it. I'll let him tell you. So he gets on the phone, and he says, Grandma, did my dad actually do this? Did my dad actually do this? And he started naming some things up, and I says, Yes, he did. He says, Ah, oh, I can't believe my dad would ever do anything like that. I can't, I was there and I said, well I'll tell you, I was there and I said, you probably can't believe the things that your grandma and grandpa used to do either (laughs) grandma, yeah, grandma yeah, right, (laughs) right I did a lot of things a lot of things I'm not proud of so I'm glad they're under the blood so don't try taking a look or taking a peek and when my son comes to visit, I guess you can grill him if you want. <laughs> it's only fair. I've been telling on him for six months. <laughs> I told him, I said, one of these days, I'm going to have told him all the stories I have about my kids, and I'll have to start over. But anyway, our testimony is supposed to be something that we can use as a memorial so we can talk to people because a lot of people don't know me, didn't know me back then. You, don't know, you didn't know what I was like back then, I could tell you, and it would seem unbelievable to you. But it'd be the truth. See, I wasn't always a Christian. I was a heathen. And I was a good heathen. Man, I was good. I could curse like a sailor. I could drink any man under the table. Man, I was good sinner. I was a chief sinner. So if you didn't know me back then, you wouldn't know that. You have to take my word for it. Of course, I do have some pictures of uh, the friends. When I was over at our friend's house the other day, not long ago, she said, do you want this picture? And I looked at that picture, and here I am with a cigarette in my hand. <laughs> Who's that? (laughs) So I do have uh, pictures to prove it, if uh, whatever. But all of us have a story, don't we? That's our memorial. That's one of our memorial stones is that we have a past. And we have have the deliverance of God in our life. So I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that I can pass that on to my kids and my grandkids. And you know, we're just one generation from Christianity being eliminated from this country. Do you know that? So it's up to us to be able to educate our kids need to do that memorial stones are important in our life 1 Corinthians 14 verse 7 says even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody and if the burglar doesn't sound a clear call how will the soldiers know they are being called to battle if you don't have a certain note for the, the trumpet has to play a certain way they don't know what to do. And in an orchestra, you just can't take instruments out and say this is unimportant because you need them all for the melody to understand the melody. And that's the way our, our uh, memorial stones are in our life. People can't understand who we are or where we came from without our memorial stones in our life. So we can share those things with them. Romans uh, 6.4, 6, because you might be wondering, what are some of the Christian memorial stones? I've named a few of them. I know we have a twelve a foot cross out in front of our house. And it's a memorial stone. Everybody knows, hey, there's some weird people who live there. There's some religious fanatics who live there. But I guarantee everybody know everybody knows where that cross is at. We somebody comes out there, doesn't know where we live, and they say to ask for directions. We say, Well, you come out here and you you see the cross, I say, Oh, I know where that's at. <laughs> see? That cross has become a memorial stone to the community. They're coming back from page, and I've had little kids, you know, they're riding with their parents Say, Oh, we know when we see the cross, we're almost home. Because they can understand the memorial. They can understand that because they can see it. So memorials are supposed to be stuff that we can see too. So we need to set up things that we have. So what are some of those that we as Christians have in our life? Romans 6, 4, and 5 says, For he we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in death, we will also be raised up to him as life. Water baptism is a memorial stone. It's a memorial stone to each one that's in the congregation that gets to watch it. But it's also a memorial stone to the people that are baptized. Because they get a little certificate and they go through there and, you know, and they can put it on the wall They do whatever they want with it. Every time that happens, they can remember that. And if you can't be baptist, baptized and you're not willing to do that and create a memorial stone to your church family, how are you going to ever have create one for your non-church family? How are you going to do that? So it's a memorial stone that we have as Christians. Our church here, this church building, is a memorial stone to this community, isn't it? They know that the church is here. And we've had people think that this church is going is to close. I guarantee it's not going to close because God wants it open. Yeah. And this is a memorial stone to this community. Now, not only the building is a memorial stone to this community, but the church body. Because the church isn't this building. This is just a place we come and worship. We are the body of Christ. And we are, each one of us is supposed to be a memorial stone. 1 Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he calls you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Uh, verse 5 of that Second uh, Peter 2. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. 2 Corinthians 3.2. You are an epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. We are memorial stones. We have to live our lives in such a way that people know that there's something different about us. If our lives aren't different, then we need to get saved. Because the Bible says we become new creations in him. We are new creatures. And if if everything in our life is the same, then we need to go say another prayer. We need to pray a little more. Because God changes us. I don't say that he changes you all at once. Sometimes it's gradual. Some people it is all at once. There's no special rules or regulation the way that God does things. But God deals with us, and he changes us. And he changes us into something that is beautiful. And our lives, if we could see our lives and all the sin that we had in our lives before we met Christ, from God's point of view, by guarantee, it wouldn't be pretty. But now, with God in our hearts, and we've asked Christ to come into our hearts, and now he sees us through the blood, through the Son, who died on the cross for our sins, and what he sees is beautiful because he looks at me and he sees Jesus. And we're supposed to be about Christ's business. It's not what we can do for the church. It's about what we are as a church, what we do as a body. Because we are the church. This is just a building. If we grow large enough, we're going to have to change buildings. Now, if this is our church, if this is the only moral we have, then, hey, we've lost but I'm the church. You're the church. Every believer here this morning is the church. And each one of us is a memorial stone to your family, to your friends, and to your community. And that's what God wants us to be. And we need to polish up those memorial stones. We need to take care of them. That's why I take a bath. And <laughs> clean it up a little bit. Make it look a little more presentable. Because I have an obligation to be a memorial stone, to be a lively stone. We are a holy generation, a called-out generation from this, this darkness of this world. We're special to God. And we need to act like we're special. We're not needing to bump around. We're childs of the king and the ruler of the universe. He's my father. And I'm thankful for that. So we are memorial stones. And we need to let those memorials polish them up and let them shine. The Lord's Supper is a memorial stone. We do that once a month here. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Every month, but it doesn't have to be just once a month. We should reflect on this almost every day, what Christ has done for us. Hey, I want to be thankful for what he's done in my life. He's changed me. He's given me peace in my heart. He's given me joy in my soul, and I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about the future. I don't have to worry about the present, and I don't have to worry about the past. Because God has taken care of that. And that makes me happy. And I want to be able to to thank God for that. Because that's a memorial. But once a month we do it as a church body. To reflect as a group body on the memorial stone. That he told us to to honor. And then he set up. I didn't set that up. He did. And if God said it, that's enough for me. Family altars are memorial stones. If you don't have a family altar. If you're not praying with your family. You need to. Because these are the things that's going to go on after you're gone. They're going to remember the times that mom and dad used to pray with them. They're going to remember those times before a meal that you eat. Now, I know that if you have kids and you've taught them to pray, bless those food, whatever they say, their little, little memorized prayers that they learn in Sunday school or wherever it is, and you go take them somewhere else, now they're going to let them know you're supposed to pray. I'm reminded of the story of the little boy that his mom and dad prayed all the time, you know, over their meals and stuff, and he was invited to someone else's house to eat. And so they went in there, and they sat down and eat, and he's waiting for somebody to say the blessing, and they don't say it. And he sitting there looking around at everybody, and they noticed that he wasn't in, and he says, Well, what's the matter? You don't like the food? And he says, Oh, the food's fine, but we always pray before we eat. And he says, Well, we don't do that around here. He says, Oh, I understand that. My dog don't eat before he p- don't pray before he eats either. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you create a memorial stone and you may create an enemy, but I guarantee it. <laughs> they'll remember it. <laughs> and I think it's I just love it when the little kids do that because they don't care. They don't care who they who they make mad or whatever. They just know, hey, we're supposed to pray, and you're not praying. How can you? Ungrateful? Ungrateful people? So that's a memorial stone, something that we can, uh, we can sh- share to this family. And then they'll teach it to their kids. Because when you get kids, I mean, I don't care what you do in your life. When you get kids, you want to teach them to pray. You teach them to God bless the food. Something because, yeah, you show. Up, oh, little Austin, say the prayer. You know, don't they? And we just love it because we're so proud of our little kids when they, when they pray. So we need to have those memorial stones because it's something that's going to live with them long after you're gone. Our holidays that we celebrate, how we celebrate our holidays are memorial stones for us. Or anyway, they should be. They're a good opportunity. Thanksgiving, what a memorial stone to set up. Whatever you do as a tradition or a custom in your family, make it a memorial stone so when they go on their own life, then they'll start their own traditions. And hopefully they'll take those with them because they'll feel like it's, oh, we can't have, we can't have Christmas unless we've, we've had cake and ice cream for breakfast. Because that's what we did with our grandkids. They had cake and ice cream on breakfast and saying, Happy birthday to Jesus. They remember that. I guarantee they'll remember that. Do something to set up a memorial stone for them. And the holidays that they you sell, make sure Thanksgiving is special. Help them to teach them how to be faithful. Teach them the things that, that we want them to know. The memorial stones that'll live long after you're dead. And then when they come to look at your ugly mud mug in the coffin, if you're gonna be in a coffin if the Lord tarries, they're gonna sit there and they remember all those times that they had with you in their life. And they'll remember those memorial stones. And they're gonna have good memories of all the things that you shared with them. And those are the things they're gonna remember because those are memorial stones and they'll live long after you're gone. And then they'll share those with their kids because their kids may not know their grandma or their grandpa. And they'll say, you know, my grandma did this or my grandpa used to do this and now I'm doing it. And either in honor of them, maybe they didn't do it the whole time, but after you die, maybe you'll leave a memorial stone that they'll start. <laughs> We need to have these kind of things in our life. The place we get saved, the first pastor you ever had. We remember our first pastor. We remember him. We'll never forget him. Never will because it's a memorial stone. He's part of our life, and we have this thankfulness towards them. And that's God's will for our life, to set up memorial stones. So if you haven't set any up in your life, start setting some up, something that you'd be proud for your kids to carry on. Something that's going to build them up instead of tear them down. Something that's going to build this nation up instead of tear it down. That's what we need to do because memorials are important. If the nation that we live in, as sinful as it is now, we're still honoring the veterans. (laughs) That says a lot, doesn't it? And I honor the veterans this morning. And I'm thankful for their sacrifice. I'm thankful for everything that they've done for me. I'm thankful for it. I've lived through Vietnam era. And when, they, when our soldiers from Vietnam came home, nobody thanked them. They called them baby killers, and they called them all kinds of names and all kinds of things, and they, they just really disrespected them. But we should never do that, especially as Christians. We should honor them. And every time I see a veteran in a store, I'll go up and I'll shake their hand and say, Thank you. Thank you for serving. Thank you for fighting for my freedom. And we should start doing that to make them feel important because every time we see one, that's a memorial stone of our freedom, and we need to quit being so ungrateful and so wrapped up in our own lives that we can't do those kind of things. We need memorial stones. And maybe you're here this morning you don't have a memorial stone of baptism. Maybe you don't have a memorial stone of salvation. Well, guess what? Today's a good time to put up a memorial stone. Today's a good day to accept Christ as your personal Savior and start a new life and start setting up memorials in your life for those... They come after you so they can walk through those memorials of your life and they can remember all the things that happened in your life and they can pass it on to their kids and their kids. Because remember, we're only one generation away from no Christianity. So if we're not spending our time with our kids, I'm reminded of the story. I don't remember. He's a poet from Clint. I don't remember what his name was. Let's so find his name here somewhere. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I got a name here somewhere. There he is. Coleridge. British poet Samuel Coleridge, I had to write it down because I knew I'd forget the name. And he was talking to a friend and this friend he was talking to thought that we shouldn't force any religious training on our kids at all. That when they get old enough and they're mature enough then they should be be allowed to choose religious training if they wanted, be able to choose to go to church if they wanted. But of course Coleridge didn't agree with him. So he invited him out into his garden and out in his garden, the guy comes out there, and he looks, and he looks around at that, that, that garden, and he says, you call this thing a garden? He says, all I can see is a bunch of weeds. And he says, yeah, I know. He says, but see, I wanted to let my garden have the opportunity to express itself and have the liberty to grow the way that, that, it, that he wanted to grow And then when when it decides, when it's mature enough, then it can decide how it wants to bloom. That's what we're saying when we say, well, we let our kids grow up and choose. We are obligated by God to raise our kids. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's in uh, Proverbs 22, verse 6. We have an obligation to do that. Because I guarantee if we don't plant this stuff in our kids' hearts and in their lives, the world will. And I don't want them planting stuff in my kid's life. This world's already corrupt enough. So it's up to us, and we're obligated to raise our kids and to be able to plant seeds of righteousness in their heart, to plant memorials in their heart and that. So when they get old, they'll make the right decision to serve God because it'll spare them so much. And I've said this many times and I'll say it again this morning. I am tired of raising kids in our children's church and having them grow up and leave God out of their lives. I'm tired of it. And we as a church need to say, God, I'm tired of it. And start praying more for our kids and start praying more for our children's church. Because their lives are going to be so much better off if they live it through God. Aren't they? We're sparing them so much heartache. I wish I had known God when I was a young person then I wouldn't have so many things that I'd have to be ashamed of in my older life. And we want to protect our kids. So let's do that. Let's plant memorial seeds in our kids' lives. Heads bowed and eyes closed this morning.